All right, so um, let's go ahead and start talking about church. And this is what I call the church series. It's a series of lectures that I've put in together talking about um, ecclesiology, which is the study of the church. Uh, the study of the church is one of my favorite topics. Um, one of my favorite things to study as of late, maybe like two years ago. Um, but really been chewing on it since 2015, maybe 2016, possibly, um, you know, thinking about these things. And finally, I have put it together all in one bunch um, for you to enjoy this, the, the church series. All right. So the first lecture um, is the church series. Uh, number one, the, the pathology of church building. Okay, let's go ahead. Before we even do anything, let's go ahead and just bow our heads to prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for um, letting me um, put this out there. Uh, I pray that it reaches many. I pray that many people would be encouraged, um, not only informed in the faith about your church, but just um, encouraged because this is uplifting. Um, it's energizing, Father, and um, I just want the Holy Spirit to work good works um, through us and around us that we may see your kingdom being built um, in the modern day. May you give us strength that we need, the courage that we need to stand up for it, and the boldness that the Apostle Peter had um, and all, all the other apostles had. Father, give us this courage through your Holy Spirit. That we may go stand and speak in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, the pathology of church building. It's a pretty interesting thing, um, the pathology um, of church building. Usually when people talk about church planting or the church, they like to start it off in a very um, skyscraper type of way. They like to talk about the institution of the church. They like to talk about what is the church. They like to talk about the government of the church. They like to talk about the doctrines of the church, right? And all those things are um, very important to discuss, which we will get to in another discussion. Um, but here, let's go ahead and talk about the pathology. Let's take a let's let's take an inside look at the body, at the anatomy of the of the body of Christ that we call that we call the church. Let me start off with asking a simple question. What is Jesus doing during the incarnation and post-incarnation? Easy. Here's the answer. He is building his church. He was building his church when he was here on earth. And, he was, and he's still building his church when he's physically not on earth right now. Because um, he is in heaven, he is seated, seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he is still building his church right now. So the next logical question is then, I would say, how do we then build this church in the modern day, 2021, 2022, 2050? How do we build this church today? That's the next question I think we could ask. Which is an appropriate question. So for guidance, I think we need to look to scripture primarily for clues, for indicators. Because it seems to me that the apostles, that the disciples of Jesus, who were with Jesus, who were commissioned by the Lord, were successful. It, seem, it seems to me that the, that the disciples were successful, right? 
But first, I went online and I googled this very simple question, right? How to start a church. And I went to Google and this is what I found. Okay, I went to three separate websites. Okay, this is what I got. Here's the result number one. And I got this from jotform.com. It's a church management software company. They are telling me seven steps to start a church. And this is what they told me. Ready? All right, hopefully you got your pencils and taking notes. All right, ready? Step number one, get some experience as a preacher. Okay? Step number two, start a nonprofit and structure it accordingly. Step number three, start a nonprofit. I mean, yeah, step number three. Step number three, give your church a name. How about that, right? You need a church name. And then a mission statement. And don't forget the board of directors. And then step number four, go ahead and build your congregation, meaning the people, members. Step number five, develop and implement a fundraising strategy. And then lastly, step number six, schedule meetings and church programming. So with those uh, six steps, very easily, you could go ahead and start a church anywhere in the United States of America. This is from jotform.com, a church management software company. All right. So result number two, this is what I got from a missionary blogging site. It's basically from ministrybackpack.com and it's a church planting blog website. All right. He likes to break it down in five easy steps to start a church. Ready? Here's number one. Put some money down in a savings account. You need to have some money. Put some money away. Number two, you need to be bivocational. Let me say that again. You need to be bivocational at least for two years. You could do the, your church thing part-time and I don't know, maybe get a target job. Number three, require all team members to give from day one. Team members. I don't know who is that, right? So I don't know. So number four. Start a nonprofit that supports your new church. Boom. It seems to me the nonprofit is pretty big here. And, and number five, know the minimal, the minimum you need to know and then promote the dream amount you hope for. So the dream amount. So if you want 100 million, go ahead and let everybody know you need 100 million. But go ahead and we need to know what is the total um, amount you want. Okay, so I went to a little bit more serious website for the third result, and I went to the RCA.com, which is the Reformed Church in America. And they have a little bit more of a mature approach to this, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you straight. No chaser. Four steps to start a church, according to the RCA on their website. Number one, you, wait, number one discernment. And they break it down in two ways. One, you could take an assessment. Number two, you could request a free mission site report to see if the area you're going to plant the church is even worthy of a church, I guess. The second step is broke. The second and third steps are broken down into two stages. Growth stage number one is the second step. And the first thing you need to do with that is you need to find partners in your local area, in your neighborhood or city or state, or perhaps the region. 
Number two, uh, the second step in that, uh, and, and step two, is you need to submit a congregational plan to the RCA. According to the RCA, you can't just go start up a church. You got to have a plan. It's called a congregational plan. Okay, and number three, you finally need to get training. And then, oh yeah, don't forget to get ordained. And then um, number three is the growth stage part two. And don't forget to evangelize. You need to evangelize first. And then second, they say you need to develop leaders. And third, you need to make disciples. And D, gather regularly. It's very important. And then they have a little hashtag or a little footnote in the bottom of that stage. It says, you can email multiply at rca.org when you need guidance. So I guess you can email that website, that email there. And then whenever you need guidance on on any of these steps, especially step three. Um, and then finally, step four, don't forget to join the RCA. Okay, so those are the three results that I got um, from my um, deep research on how to start a, a church according to Google. And I just wanted to give those to you so they'll be in the back of your mind as we continue this discussion here. And I hope the spirit is moving in you and I hope the spirit is already raising up red flags in you. And it should based off those three results, right? And a lot is missing in those three results. For example, the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit in any of these steps, right? And then the second part is, why do we like to make things in five to seven steps? Like, come on. Because uh, planting a church in Dubai is not the same as planting a church in Los Angeles, right? It's not the same steps. Okay, um, so... Most of the blogospheres, the blogospheres, I guess that's how you say it in the Google searches, are basically offering the same type of information, the same material, right? On quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, on how to start a church, on how, or, or how I say it, church building, how to do church building. This is what I call the corporate model for church building, right? It is an administrative style of church planting, okay? Very top to bottom. It's an organization, and it's a dot-com, okay? It, it usually minimizes, like what I said earlier, the Holy Spirit, and it stresses management. It's a turnkey operation, and, and, it, and, it, and it comes down to be a cookie-cutter form of ministry. There's no different other than the name of the church, Maybe the mission statement and maybe the, 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 you know, the form of church, meaning like the denomination. The, but everything else in terms of leadership, everything else is pretty much cookie cutter. There's no difference from the church, from your church to, to the other church down the street. Um, and that's what happens. Um, so therefore, you know, the presbytery is like the board of directors. Uh, pastors, are pastors and preachers are converted into professionals. Elders are just like assistant managers and so on and so on. And then this leaves the members of the church in this form of model to be like consumers of worship. They're only there to be consumers of the service, right? And I don't even like to call church service church service because it's like I know what they're trying to do and I know what they mean. But it's kind of like the lingo doesn't fit the bill, right? Church service 
service, worship service. We're not serving anybody, right? We're only serving the Lord. We're there to commune with the Lord. Uh, but anyways, that's a, that's a little rant. But Jesus and Peter, John, Timothy, the Apostle Paul, even Apollos, anybody you want to bring up in the early church, in the book of Acts, almost did none of these things, yet they were more penetrating in society and culture, um, in, and especially spiritually speaking, in the hearts and the minds of men, right? Why? Well, here's the next question I'm going to give to you so you could chew on, okay? And I want you to think about this. Leave this in your mind as we talk about this question. What is more important to Jesus when it comes to church building? Ready? A church being fruitful or a church being successful? And I'll leave that there so you can answer on your notes. Think about that. What, what is more important to Jesus for a church, for, for, for a, a gathering, right? For a congregation, for a church to be successful or for a church to be fruitful? I'll leave that there. Okay, now let's return to our original intention of this thing is how did Jesus build his church? How exactly did he do it? And this is why I wanted to look into this in a zoom in kind of way. The pathology of this inside the anatomy. Well, let's go ahead and look at some stuff, some stuff here. We know some facts that we know for a fact that Jesus changed the world with only a handful of men. Most men were unknown. Most men were uneducated, unattractive, underestimated. But once filled with the Holy Spirit, they became unstoppable. The sky was the limit, right? That's what we know. Peter and John, let's look at Peter and John. Peter and John. They did not need a pre-plan, quote-unquote, how to start a church in Jerusalem. Hmm, let me see. Step one. All right. No, they didn't, okay? They did not need to submit a congregational plan to Jesus or to the Pharisees, okay? I thought that was interesting. Paul did not need a huge nonprofit to plant a church in Greece or, let's say, the city of Philippi. All he needed to do was he just needed to get arrested. Okay, that's pretty big. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 19 real quick. This is what I call the Ephesian, the Ephesus option, right? The Ephesus option. Let's look at a couple things here in chapter 19 real quick. Real quick, the first thing I noticed, number one, Paul found some old... John the Baptist disciples just wandering around, hanging out, having a Bible study, maybe a debate on a hillside. Paul found them, old John the Baptist followers. And then what happened? He taught them, converted them, discipled them, and then he baptized them. Right? What else happened? Paul gave some apologetical seminars at a synagogue for a few months. And then what else happened in Acts 19? After that, after an exorcism gone wrong, a book burning happened. That's what happened. And then a revival. Wow. And then number four, what happens? A riot. Wow. To top it off, a riot. Yup. And why? A riot took place because the pagan stock markets took a plunge. Boom. And then there was a riot. A reaction against Paul. Wow. 
And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is how the Church of Ephesus was planted. It was a wild ride. It was bumpy. It was not a straight line. It was not, I, I guess, in the modern day, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes again, orthodox. I don't know. Church building, basically, what I'm trying to say is it's a messy business. It's a messy sport. It is an exhausting work. And let me just give you a couple of disclosures. Church building have some side effects and and they may include jet lag. They may include, (laughs) hold on, they may include jet lag, debating wearing a mask, being offended, running and walking, meeting the Jehovah's Witness, forgetfulness, sleepiness, drowsiness, dizziness, rejecting liberalism, driving to Denver, using your own savings account, getting used, being called bigoted, racist, biased, anti-Semite, xenophobe, extremist, sexist, legalist, zealot, puritan, pro-Trumper. Building churches may also include getting arrested, getting blocked on social media, getting attacked by stoning, whipping, flogging, and stabbing, even shipwrecking, losing losing your job, losing your health, going to jail, shaving your head, losing your tax exemptions, being called curse words, which I won't mention, learning a new language and culture, eating strange food or not eating at all, being falsely accused and slandered by your friends and family, overworking and running out of coffee and martyrdom. Are you sure you're interested in building a church? Are you really interested in reaching out to the lost and and, and, and and discipling this whole messy business that's called church building? Let's continue. Now that I gave you the disclosure, the best way I could, um, I thought I'd add that in there, by the way. Church building is when someone stops being a consumer. In the kingdom of God and they start participating in the kingdom of God let me just say that again real quick what is church building church building is when someone stops being a consumer in the kingdom of God and they start participating in the kingdom of God our eschatology you see our, our not eschatology I'm sorry our ecclesiology the study of the church our ecclesiology suffers some serious holes let me just give you one example we tell people, for example, they should go to church. You should go to church. Come come to church with me, which is good intention. I'm not questioning the intention. That's good that we want people to go to church. I know I know what they are saying, but give me a, give me a second to explain. The church is not a place. You get it? Just like Thomas Jefferson was not a place, okay? Lost people do not need to go to church. They need church people, church people to start being the church. Let me say that again because this is important. Lost people don't need to go to church. They need church people to start behaving like the church. Okay? We are the church. Boom. Right there. We are the church. When we go to Costco, we are the church. When we go vote... At the ballot box, we are the church. When we go to work, when we when we go to sleep, when we retire, when we talk to our lawyers and our friends, we are the church. We are we never stop being the church. I think we need to get that 
mindset back in our day, in our ecclesiology of today. And this is a discussion for the different later on down the series on our identity as the church, but but um, I'll leave that for that discussion. So creating a gathering, let me say this, creating a gathering is creating a new country or a nation. Did you know that? Let me say that again. Creating a gathering is like creating a country or a nation. Because think about it, you have kids, you have families, and the family unit is super important. You baptize babies, yes, right? We have our own creeds, yes. But in reality, those things are not basic elements to our togetherness, right? We are a family, a spiritual family, basically like family, right? Think about it. Paul the Apostle adopted Timothy and treated him like a son, like a spiritual son, right? There's something about togetherness, something about the church being like a family. And I think we see this early on in the book of Acts. It is a bond that cannot be easily broken when we come together, when we are together. And when we are not together, we cannot wait to get together. This is the biggest hole, I think, in our church environments. We need to stop seeing the church like consumers. I think there's something wrong with American with American churches, right? Uh, there's a lot of things wrong, but one of them is our ecclesiology is a little bit off. Something wrong with the church that meets together once a week for one hour and then drive home at the end of the day. Something wrong with that. And I'm... I'm to blame for that as well. So I think we need to work on this. We need to reform this area. So in America, real quick, let me just touch um, um, this American, Americanized Christian thing for a few seconds real quick, okay? So in America, we are way too individualistic. I think that's the reason. Another reason is that we want to be happy, happy. We, want, we, we all want to be happy campers. You know what I mean? We want more money. We want more comfort, and then we want more pleasure, and we need it now. I think I'm preaching to myself because, you know, I could confess that I want those things. As a Christian, I still have those desires. But we all have to confess that we all have those desires as Christians. As good or bad as they are, we need to confess these things, that these things may be the things that are that is holding us back. That is the dead weight, right? That is the wet blanket over our celebration in Christ. And real quick, let me go push further, give you some some statistics here. Some scholars say that America is not far behind Europe in terms of a Christian decline. According to Statistica, 62% of the Netherlands are are not following Jesus. That means 52% is said in the report that they are not religious. And the other 10 say that they're other, whatever that means. That means reformed believers, according to this study, make up less than 6% of the population in the Netherlands. That's a staggering number. That's over half the population are not following Jesus actively, publicly comprehensively you know that's sad that's 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 a biggie on the same website according to statistica sweden another european country sweden 
they saw an 11% drop in the in the belief of God and the country between 2010 and 2020. The study, think about this, the study started off at 47% in 2010 and then saw, they saw a double digit decline within a decade. Listen to this. If this trend continues by 2055, no one in Sweden will publicly confess their belief in God. The belief in God will disappear by 2055 in the nation of Sweden. And guess what? Other European nations are very similar. The numbers across the board, including Canada, which is really close to America, is, is reporting similar reports. And America is not that far off. It's not looking pretty. Okay, I'm going to leave that there because I could go off on a, on a tangent on that. So back to the church building thing. Here are four verses to keep in mind in relationship to the pathology of, of church planting. And I hope you're taking notes. Just write this down so you can look it up later and chew on it. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Colossians 3.16 And then the book of Jude, the little book, chapter 1, 20 and 21, verses 20 and 21. So I guess, let's move on. If I had to summarize church building, you know, building the church, church planting, right? Basically, basically speaking, or, or should I say biblically speaking, it is not all that complicated as we make it out to be, Okay. Although it is wise to pay your taxes, yes, it is wise to get training, of course, and to make sure you're not in heresy. But let me just emphasize this. Methodology is not a primary concern as the church, okay? Let me say that again. Methodology is not our primary concern as the church. The gospel and the freedom that comes with it is our primary concern. Always has to be the gospel, okay? So let, let's look at some of the pathologies and qualities here of the church. When what we see in scripture is, is a simple, straightforward process for starting a new gathering. Okay. We don't see none of this mechanical stuff. We don't see the business model. We don't even see professionals doing it. Okay. Paul was kind of the exception, but he gave it all up for Jesus. Okay. He even said that, okay? He count all his professional intellectual achievements as dung, right? We what we see is we see a serious commitment of a, of to a real vibrant faith in Jesus. We also see households of worship everywhere being settled as structures of order in a world of chaos. In the in the world of chaos, the church is the only thing standing or should be as a structure of order. So if the world ended tomorrow in terms of society collapses, right? The church should be the last one standing in perfect order. Imagine that. Now, church planting was not about starting a nonprofit, right? We don't see that. Or it's not even managing building budgets. It's not about that. Those things are important, but it's not about that. Church building is kingdom building. Let me say that again. Church building is kingdom building. 
Jesus is in the business of saving people and planting new congregations. That means we need to make it our business. There it is in a nutshell. So how would I define church building? I would define it as this, as the following. I would define it as an organic and liquid process through the Holy Spirit, through which repenting sinners have the privilege of participating. Let me repeat that. Let me say that again. I would define church building as an organic and liquid process through the Holy Spirit, through which repenting sinners have the privilege of participating in. Okay? It's that simple. So let me leave you one last question before we, we end this. What is the goal of church building? What is the goal? What are we what is the end game, right? Simple. The answer is the goal is to extend the lordship of Jesus Christ to every heart of man, woman, and child. Easy. We're extending the lordship of Jesus Christ in every heart everywhere. Because the heart is where all the wickedness is. The heart Whatever's in the heart comes out. And there Jesus wants to make his kingdom. There Jesus wants his throne to be. Is in the heart of men. The mission is always simple. is make disciples, right? It did not say make converts. Converts is nice only when they are being discipled. It's kind of counterproductive to have a bunch of converts to Jesus when they're not being discipled, okay? I'm going to leave that there. But the misconceptions are plenty, but let me list a couple before we end this. We get distracted from the mission and goal all the time, right? From the mission, we get distracted. From the goals, we get distracted. Many good Christians, they like to make the kingdom of God or kingdom building into this secret plan to take over the world, right? Or to repel secular history or to hire more professionals, or to save America, or something of their agenda, whatever. We must return to the basic and ultimate reality that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not from this world. And I'll leave it there, on a cliffhanger, for our next session in the church series. But first, let's go ahead and end our, end our session with prayer. Father, thank you for giving us this time to start this conversation, to ask some serious questions, to think about your church in a more fundamental way, in a more old school way in terms of what you've done in the Bible, in the act, in the book of Acts. Lord, may we get this vision back. May we get encouragement from this. May we go out and do this. Open the doors of opportunity, Father, because the opportunity is everywhere. Give us the courage to do these things. Help us now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen.